0: in Him. Invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There are mountaintop chapters of the Bible, and Romans 8 is one of those. Uh, An interesting investment of your time would be to read... um, Romans 8, and just mark down all the promises of God in that. Today we're going to um, begin reading in verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, and look at another part of the truths that are brought out in this passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, I'll begin reading. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption To wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we can never thank you enough for your word, for the promises in your word that Provide a foundation that are the basis of our faith, of our security, of our eagerly looking forward to, and Lord, we we thank you today for in particular this passage in Romans eight and all the truths that are contained in it. Now Lord I Pray that your spirit would do the ministering today to open the eyes of our understanding. And Lord, that truly our lives would be affected in a great way in the coming days and weeks and months as we apply these truths. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, well I'm sure most every one of us have had um, situations that come into our life, um, not by our own choosing, but situations that if we'd had a choice, we may have said, no, let let that one go, I, I don't want that in my life. And when we're face-to-face with those things, our mind can often go, what is God doing? What? What is going on here? And it may cause us to have um, uh, introspection, to look at our own lives, and that's a good thing to do that. And and it, it may cause us to correct some things. There may be times that even when you do that, it's it's not like the Spirit of God um, specifically pinpoints anything. And, and you step back and you say, I just wish God would tell me what he's doing here. What, what is he doing? And in those times, we wrestle with our faith. We think this is something God ought to be doing, and, and we're diametrically opposed, it, it looks to me like. So what is God up to? What is he doing? There are certain things that happen in life that when you step back and see uh, a bigger picture, you're able to see, oh, oh, I I see what God is doing. Um, Just to to give you an example of that, uh, we're going to put up here uh, three different graphs, what God is doing Um, and. In the midst of this, these graphs show from about nineteen fifty four to nineteen ninety four and um, and there the, the point is not that you're able to read all the details on the graphs but to illustrate in nineteen sixty two and sixty three um, <clears throat> Our nation made some definite decisions to remove biblical natural law from our education system and to remove prayer. Um, This is a graph that shows the details here. This line shows 1962 and 63. This is SAT scores. Never before 1962 or 63 had SAT scores ever gone down more than two years in a row. And after we made this decision, the SAT scores plummeted. For nearly 20 years, consecutively, never rising. Never before in the history of SAT scores had they ever gone down more than two years. And, um, drastic, drastic downturn. Okay, the next graph. Um, this show, this is a graph about morality, the birth rate for unwed girls. Between ages 15 and 19 years of age. Again, this line is um, when we as a nation made the decisions um, to remove biblical natural law. And you see, the, the birth rate for unwed girls just skyrocketed. The next one is violent behavior, violent crimes, violent offenses. Uh, again, here's the line, and um, the bottom line shows the population growth. So you can't explain this away because there's more people that there were more violent crimes. You see that the violent crimes just drastically took an an absurgent line on the graph. So we lo- we can, most people aren't, but we can look at this and say, ah, Cause and effect. There's a definite connection here. I mean, we could go on and list um, them. There are several other graphs that show the same thing. And, And we can say, oh, as I step back and look at a 50 or 60 year span, I see what God's doing. God's saying, you don't want me? Fine, I'll step back and we'll see how things go for you. And we can see that. But today, we don't want to make the application just to we as a nation. It's in our own personal lives. What is God doing? Some may be here today thinking, is God doing anything in my life? And others may be here saying, I don't, I don't see God in any of this, but things are going on in my life, and what do you have in mind God? what what are you up to? What is going on here? We may have ideas, we may have speculations with, for example, what's going on in our nation and some of them are pretty definitive what we see. But I want you to know today that you there are certain things, that you can rest with full assurance that I know this is what God is up to in my life. That we don't really, and, and it may be in a general sense, but that general sense will help narrow it down so that you know specifically what God is doing. What is God doing? Well, in everybody's life, first and foremost, God is working to bring individuals to a relationship with the Father. We we understand God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason God sent His Son is He wants every individual... That's ever been born to be restored to fellowship with God. We were made to fellowship with God. And we were made. Our being was designed for fellowship with God. And as we've just sung, nothing else can satisfy. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone, all the gold, all the silver. I forget how the words of the song said it, but nothing else can satisfy you alone are my joy giver and any time we find our source of joy in anything else it will be diminished it will disappoint it will fail and so god is ultimately generally he is at work and he he desires to bring individuals to relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. God isn't concerned about just bringing people to church. He's concerned about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And to know God's will, first of all, that is, that is foundational. That He's working to bring us to a relationship with the Father. But if you're here today and you say, okay... I have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I have a relationship. It's an ongoing. I'm growing in that. Secondly, God is working to build Christ's character in your life. This is is foundational for us to not just know this here, but to begin to apply it to every area of our life. Years ago, in high school journalism class, I was taught, everything you do, you need to ask who, what, why, where, when, and how. If you write an article, you ask that. You know, that has been foundational. That's probably one of the best things I ever learned in in high school. And not only in writing an article... But in in dealing with life. So we're going to go through this. God is working to build Christ's character in my life. And we're going to answer this these questions. Who is God working that in? Look at Romans chapter eight and verse he's writing this to believers, he's encouraging them. And he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice what he says here. Those that have come to Christ, God has predetermined that they should be conformed to the image of His Son. That means He wants to shape Christ's character in our life. So when you call upon Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's like He takes this lump of clay and He puts it on the potter's wheel and he starts working to shape us like Christ. And some of the things that he brings into our life are not necessarily what we desire. But every, every believer, God begins a work, every child of God God begins a work saying, I'm going to bring things into their life that will help them be like Jesus Christ. You don't, it's not an option. Click if you want this option. No, it's not an option. This is, he is at work in it. So every believer, God is working to build his character in our life. So that's the who, every believer. What? What is he doing? What is he really up to? He is continually remaking us. We are born into this world. We're self-centered. We're all about me. And we are run by the flesh. When we trust Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God comes into our life. And now we have the flesh and the Spirit. And he is exposing the old ways, the flesh, and saying, no, this isn't how a follower of Christ does it now. This is what you do. And he is showing every detail of our life. It's much more than just trusting Christ to save us from hell. He now puts us on this, and he says, no, this this isn't something we need here in this life. And, and he, he's dealing with the old flesh. No, this isn't, this isn't need to be in your life. And now this is something that needs to be. So he's bringing us from being controlled by the flesh to being controlled by the spirit. Why? Why is he doing this? Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Why is he doing this? Well, Galatians chapter 5 gives, and we're not going to take the time to read all of it, but beginning in verse 16, he's saying to the believers, walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he lists, these are things the flesh does idolatry, adultery, greed, fornication, anger, wrath. He lists a a list of things. Those are what, when you're controlled by the flesh, these are the fruit of that. But he says, but when you are controlled by the Spirit of God, verse 22, the fruit that the Spirit produces in our life is love, and joy, and peace, and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against, against all these things there is no law. And they that are Christ, those that are in Christ, have crucified the flesh and the desires of the flesh. So that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So why is he, he says, okay, you're saved, you're no longer going to hell, but now I'm beginning to do a work in your life because I want to produce love and joy and peace. Why? So that God is glorified. So that others would say, wow, how are you able to have such peace? Look at everything in your life is falling apart, humanly speaking, and you have peace. And you're able to go back to Romans chapter 8. If God be before me, who can be against me? You're able to go back and say, this is not natural for me. Naturally, I am self-centered. I am egotistical. I am this, I am this, I am this. This is God. And that glorifies the Father. Glorify thy name. It's not just something we sing. It, it's nice to sing it, but it's even better to live it so that, wow, you, you, you're able to love that person that is unlovely. How are you doing it? I can't. That is God. And God is glorified, and he wants to produce that fruit in our lives So that others would see it and be brought, to point number one, to a relationship with the Father. That they truly see a difference. So why is he at work making us into God's image? Not so we can be in a trophy case. Look at me. I'm, I'm a lot like Christ. No, it's not about us. It's look what Christ has done in changing me and that we're an instrument. You know what? I am not able to handle life. You are able to show me what what's going on. What's the difference? And you're able to point them to Christ. Who? Everyone. What? He's taking out the old, putting in the new. Why? To produce fruit so the Father is glorified and others are brought to Him. When? It begins the moment you come became a child of God. The moment you trusted Christ as Savior, um, He began that work in you. Some of you can remember the moment you got saved, there were things that immediately that you thought about that, wow, I, I shouldn't be doing this. You immediately thought about it. No one, no one was telling you that. Why? That was the work of the Spirit of God. The moment you come to salvation and all your life long so that every event that happens in your life, what is God doing? Well, I know he's going to use this to make me more like Christ. Every event. You think of something in your life. That event he desires to use this to make me more like Christ. And when we start seeing life from that perspective, it gives purpose to life. It it gives meaning. It gives insight. It gives, okay, that life isn't just this random thing that happens. God is in control every event. Yeah, but that event that came in was a result of that person's Um, bad decision. Well, you know what? God allowed it to affect your life, so God is able to take all things and make them work together for good. What is the good? Being like Christ. He says he's able to take all things and make them work together for good, To them who are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? Romans 8.29. To be conformed to Christ. To be like Christ. He is able to take all things and make them work together for good to those who are committed to being like Christ. If you're not committed to being like Christ, don't claim Romans 8.28. Because it won't work together for good. To your good. Every. Every event. In life. Is designed of God to that end. That okay. This. Go through the Bible. Joseph or Daniel or any of them. Bad things happened. But. What is God doing? He's using it to glorify his name in our life. Friday night, Terry Wilhite called. His, his pastor and I went to college together every weekend one year. I traveled with his, his pastor to Rockford, Illinois. Um, we worked on in his church on the weekends, and we'd come back. Joe Coburnett. My age, this week, he was in the bathroom. His wife heard a loud noise, went in, and he, Joe Coburnat, died of a heart attack, just like that. I mean, I'm thinking, man, Joe Coburnat, my age, what is God doing? I'm thinking, man, help Mrs. Coburnat. Help that family. But that family, in the midst of all of this, can come back and say, I know that God is at work, even this that shakes our world. And he is able to make this good as I submit to him and let him shape Christ in my life. Even things, you're at work and there's no other godly person. Your boss isn't a godly person or, or no one else is around and all these things happen. Is God still using that? Absolutely. And, and we need to start seeing it. God is at work in my life to shape me to, like, to be like Christ. And rather than pulling against God as a tug of war, God, would you remove this? Would you remove this? We ought to come around and pull with Christ and say, would you accomplish your purposes in my life through this? So how does God go about this? Number one, he just, Gives us life. Life is hard. Life is, um, has trials. Life has circumstances. And God uses those circumstances to get us to see our need of him. If you don't come to that, you're going to grow bitter and angry about life. Because you can always find people that have it better than you. And you'll get bitter. Why is is God doing this to me? I worked just as hard as that guy. I should have got the raise. Why is my car breaking down? Why did I hit the deer? Why did this happen? Why do I have cancer? Why do... And you compare yourself with others rather than saying, okay, God... I'm submitting myself. Here life life is hard. And he uses the normal things of life. We say, Where is God? Well, he's in that guy that just pulled out in front of you. And he's trying to teach you to be merciful. Rather than, what an idiot. Didn't he see me know? We go through life just angry and bitter and upset rather than coming and saying, okay, God, you allowed this into my life. And this is exactly what James is talking about. Count it all joy when you fall into various temptations and trials of your faith. Why? Because this is the tool that God is using to make you like Christ. No, it's not in acting like an imbecile and saying, oh, yeah, great, another trial. I just love trials. It's not the trials you love. It's what they produce. As I go through this, as I get God's grace and respond, he'll be more glorified in my life. I, every year, I, even all these years, I love trying to watch some of the Iowa High School State Wrestling Tournament. And uh, how many of you are like that, huh? There's a few nutcases around here, all right? And because I know some of what goes in there, our coach had a circle drill, he called it. It was a. Killer drill. I can't even begin to explain it. But, it you know, he'd say, all right, on the circle. Circle drill. You'd get, I'll try to explain. You you had to get down like this. And then you shuffled around the circle, the circle in the mat. And if you think it's easy, I'll take you out in the foyer and we'll go a minute at it, okay? It'd kill you. And we hated it but we knew it would make us be able to go the six or seven minutes we had to go. And there are things in life that you don't like, but God's put them in your life and he's saying this is good for you. This will help you as you respond right. This will give you a little more of Christ. But if, how does he do it? it must be accompanied with the Word of God. You have to fill up your life with the Word of God. You are not going to just naturally respond. Why? The Spirit of God dwells within me. You need to feed your spiritual life. And if, if you don't get the Word of God into your life, Life isn't going to produce Christ-likeness. I shudder to think at the low dosages of um, the word of God that the average Christian gets. There's no way that the fruit will be produced. How does God do it? He just exposes us to life. He uses the Word of God, and he uses the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you can't bypass the Word of God and just say, I'm just going to listen to the Spirit. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and as you're in the Word of God, the Spirit of God will speak to you. Listen, if you neglect the revealed will of God, don't expect Him to give you the personal will will of the Spirit of God for your life. We must be in the Word of God, and then when the Spirit of God prompts us, then we need to obey. The Spirit of God ministers in our life. It's through the ministry of the Spirit, and then He also works through the reproofs of life. Proverbs 6.23 talks about the reproofs of life. Here I am going through life. And the Spirit of God prompts me to do something, and I don't do it, and I go my own way, and then I get a reproof of life. I run my head into the wall, figuratively speaking. And the Spirit of God says, "Um, let's come back to the path you ought to be. You know, you've been there. We've all had the reproofs of life. And thankfully, God seeks to use the most, uh, the least intrusive, but he brings us things, and, he, and why does he do that? Because he loves us, and he wants us to not live our life wasted, and he wants us to get back so that we're on the potter's wheel, and he's shaping us and molding us to be like Christ. And as he does that, we can rest in the fact that God is at work. When, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have ESPN and Fox Sports and all that. Saturday afternoons, they had ABC's Wide World of Sports. Amen? How many of you remember that? And you can still remember the thrill of victory. And they'd show people, and celebrating, bringing you from around the world, the thrill of victory. And they'd show that, and the agony of defeat. And they'd show a skier coming down, and he falls, and he's spinning around, and his skis are breaking, and he crashes. How many of you, you know what we're... You know... You can have the victory of submission to God, or you can have the agony of defeat in your Christian life. God, I'm not gonna resist this. I'm 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 going to embrace it. What do you want? To, what are you teaching me through this? I want to be like Christ. What are you teaching me through this difficult time? What are you teaching me through this blessing? Even in we think it's all negative. No, it's the blessings. God, teach me. I want to be like Christ. I submit to your plan. Our plan is, God, keep me from anything bad. Make life easy and make it smooth for me. And God says, you won't become like Christ that way. It doesn't happen. There is, honestly, there is not a whole lot that we can do about what our nation does. What our nation does with God. But we can totally control what we personally do with God. Not just receiving him, I am submitting, Lord, use this to shape me to your image. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help every one of us here today to see the events in our life from the bigger picture, that you are at work to shape and mold us to your image. I pray if there is one here today who has never been brought to a relationship with you, that today they would be brought to that. And then, Lord, I pray for everyone here today that has a relationship, that we'd quit resisting, that we'd quit trying to bend you to our way. And, Lord, that we would joyfully submit to you molding and shaping us to your image. Lord, I know there are individuals here today that are facing great, great situations in their life from perplexities and difficulties. But Lord, I rejoice that you are able to make even all of those things work together or Christlikeness in our lives. And I pray today that you truly would be pleased as we submit to you and know the joy of victory. And Lord, I pray if we choose to go our own ways that you would quickly bring us the reproofs of life that we may be brought to you. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I know I am a follower of Christ, but I wish you would remember me in prayer that I would cooperate with the Father in his work of molding me to Christlikeness. Would you just slip up your hands that we could remember you in prayer?